Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. You know, especially nowadays, we, we're aware of the power of social media, but we also like maybe have a hate-love relationship with it. You know, it's a spiral of comparison or self-loathing or whatever that might be. But I think if you stick true to like that feeling of like, this is magic, this is opportunity, this is a portal to the people who can give me the things that I'm wanting because I can give them what they're wanting, it can stay fun, you know, whatever your industry is. But you know, hair, it's imagery, it's like so perfect. When you become a leader and when you get to hire your first assistant or your first team member or your first VA, like just think about like you work for the mission together and especially when they're your employee, like. Your job is to show up for them too. It's not just the other way around. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today we have Elizabeth Fay. Elizabeth is an internationally renowned hairstylist, killer entrepreneur, and fellow lifestyle designer. Elizabeth is one of my coaching clients and she's also in my Work Hard, Play Hard experience and she shares a passion for all things travel. In this episode, you're going to learn how Elizabeth was able to go from a local hairstylist to one of the most recognizable faces and brands in her industry today. Give an example. Kim and I were out uh, at the beach the other day. We ran into somebody. She said she's a hairdresser. I mentioned Elizabeth's name. She's like, oh my God, you know her? Like she is a celebrity in this world. And we're going to get into all of the things that she was able to do to go from being a local hairdresser to a internationally renowned hair, I feel like I need to elevate it, hair stylist. So please enjoy this conversation with Elizabeth Fay. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm here. You know, for those of you that don't know what Elizabeth and I have just been through, we've just been through three freaking attempts to record this thing. But because we are trained professionals, we're going to get through this with uh, poise and dignity. So here's what I want to say. Number one, I am incredibly excited that you are on the show today because you are somebody that represents someone who took something that they're good at. In your case, it's hair. And you 
are able, you were able to turn that into an online business and something that you can basically do from anywhere. And it's what I love about the concept is it the way you did it, it's so out of the box. You could have easily stayed and just you know, went on becoming a hair cutter, but you were like, no, I want to do something different. We're going to get into exactly what you did to do that. But I think, you know, we are all a product of our environments. And I found it very interesting. I always find it interesting when I'm working, you know, when I'm doing prep work for an interview. Um, it's always interesting to me about how someone was raised. And I learned that your dad was a yoga teacher which I think has to be like the coolest dad thing ever. As you, let's pick it up here. As you went through those rebellious years as a kid, which we all did, right? How does a yoga teacher dad parent a rebellious child? Because I just feel like he'd be waving crystals at you and like that, that's not going to work. You know, my dad is really cool, by the way. Um, he's actually a like a big part of why my business is the way it is. My dad was always in my corner. I was an extremely troubled kid. I mean, I ran away. I got sent away with different families, high school dropout. I mean, I wasn't your Mormon child star. You know, I was not like singing in the choir and getting straight A's. I was like smoking marijuana and hanging out with boys who were much older. So my dad, most of my life growing up, would take me hiking. Mm -hmm. And he would take me away from everything, right? He would take me into nature. Um, He would talk a lot about God and our power. And it was a place I think he could parent me was, you know, like he's very spiritual in that way. He would take us out. And I remember growing up, me and my sister going, he worked at the YMCA at night teaching yoga. And we would sit in the back of the room because someone had to watch us. And, you know, all these women would do yoga and men. And... I remember trying to do it as a little kid and sometimes hating it and sometimes liking it, you know, but he taught, he taught me a lot through doing things like that. So I mean, it's funny because a lot of what I do now, I take people hiking and doing yoga and stuff at our retreats, you know? Yeah. You're, you're essentially doing stuff that he taught you to do in sort of a different way. So, okay. Around 12 years old, you decided that you wanted a box of color. And so you walk into Walmart you play the five finger discount game and you're like, I'm just going to steal the shit, right? You just took the damn thing and you colored your hair and you wind up getting suspended. Um, But this weird thing happens and you meet this guy named Brandon and he sees your hair and he hands you this business card. In what ways did that moment shape your future? Yeah. I think that I realized, I mean, maybe not at the time, but, you know, sitting in that chair, I felt, I say this in my keynotes, I felt heard, beautiful, seen, and loved. I felt so much more than just the way I looked on the outside. But I think, I mean, it shaped my entire future. I was just so drawn to hairdressing and what people do in the salon. And I felt cool there. I felt like I fit in. It gave me something to look forward to. Like, oh, maybe one day as an adult, I could be you know, something cool like that. But I think it was the first time I realized that how I felt on the outside affected how I feel on the inside. And that... Um, and, and in a good way, you know, in a positive way. But I think that like made me feel more confident. That made me excited to show up differently, which sounds weird for a 12-year-old. But my hair really gave me a sense of self and confidence and a creative outlet. But I think more importantly, like for those of you, 
I mean, none of you guys know my story. You're not in the hair world, but <laughs> I share this story about well, I how... I guarantee you that your listeners are going to listen because I have a lot of people... They, people know you and I are connected. I had no idea. I told you this before. I had no idea why all these haircutters follow me. And now I know. <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it, it's the Elizabeth Fay effect. So funny. I'm well, like, they know, they, they know I, you're I, my business coach. You I know? Was, they really like my hair. Like I have they my hair on Instagram, but uh, it was actually you. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but I I felt something in the salon and that man ended up mentoring me in the salon and I got my hair done the first time it was so expensive. My dad got upset. I worked my ass off to work, you know, earn some money and come back and get get it done again and he really he said put your money away and he struck a deal with my dad that if I would get better grades on my report card every time I came in to get my hair done that um, he would do it complimentary. And he did that for me until I was 16 years old. Whoa. So I want to talk to you a little bit about getting scrappy. Yeah. You decided to leave Nevada, start a new business in Utah, but you still had a client back in Nevada. So you used to drive back to Nevada to cut his hair. And one time he gave you a gift that impacted you deeply. Could you tell us what that gift was and in what ways that impacted you? In other words, what, was, what, what did that gift mean to you and what did it ultimately mean to you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, fast forward a few years, I'm high school dropout. I went through beauty school. I got a job in Vegas working, you know, blah, 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 which by this same group of people who mentored me, which is pretty cool. And later I ended up, you know, leaving that company and I was super young, maybe 19 years old. And so I started hair when I was like two years old. <laughs> and so I opened up this like really horribly ugly spot in Utah. And I, when I would drive down to do this guy's hair, he worked for a famous guy. And he had all these chandeliers up on the ceiling of this house he, would, he lived in. And I would do a house call and I would cut his hair. And I just looked up at these chandeliers. And I don't know why for me, like, you know, when you see that piece that means something to you or like a car or an outfit or something, and it symbolizes who you want to be or how you want to show up in the world. Like for some reason, that chandelier, I felt like that about it. And I would just tell him, I'm like, I got to have one of those. Like, what do we got to do to make this happen? Yeah. So he ended up gifting me one of these, actually. <laughs> I was 19 years old. He dropped off this huge chandelier to me in like this huge box and it was hanging and I had nowhere to put the damn thing. Like my salon ceiling was like nine feet tall. I lived like on my friend's mom's couch. Like, so I ended up carrying that chandelier with me for a really long time. But that chandelier represented who I would be, like the kind of house I would live in and the kids that would be happy underneath and like the relaxing nights by the fire with my dream man at night. And of course, a vaulted ceiling or the salon it would be in, right? And that salon, people would feel what I felt. Listen, her beautiful scene and loved and people would come in and it'd be popping and it would be amazing. And it represented a life of who I would be if I could have that life, you know? Yeah. So ultimately, did you put a big chandelier in your, uh, your hair cutting place? Yeah. So years, <laughs> years later, years later, yes. Did I know the end of that story? Yeah. So you are really, really extremely effective on social media. And as your business grew, you saw that social media, particularly Instagram, uh, could be leveraged for you and really help you grow your business. You were sort of an influencer uh, before they were called influencers, right? 
How do you think that you thought about Instagram differently than all the other... Do you, do you prefer haircutter, hairdresser, stylist? What, what's the word these days? Hairstylist is pretty Hairstyle. common. Okay. Yeah. How do you think how do you think about Instagram let's say differently than other hairstylists do? Yeah, I mean obviously we're all awake to the power of social media at this point, but I think when I first, you know, got on, I was a MySpace kid, then I was on Facebook, so like social media for some reason is just something I was always drawn to, but um I just knew like if someone could see my work as this portfolio, like obviously I could amplify that type of human in my life. And to me, that felt like magic. That felt like this portal of access to all of these people that I could get from my couch or my salon. And I just, I think that, you know, especially nowadays, we, we're aware of the power of social media, but we also like maybe have a hate love relationship with it. You know, it's a spiral of comparison or self loathing or, Whatever that might be, but I think if you stick true to like that feeling of like this is magic, this is opportunity, this is a portal to the people who can give me the things that I'm wanting because I can give them what they're wanting. It can stay fun, you know, whatever your industry is. But you know, hair it's imagery, it's like so perfect. Yeah, you're really, really good at it too. You really are. You know, you decided that you were going to step into, or I guess, sort of step out of being a stylist full-time and adds uh, another piece to your portfolio. So you decided to, you know, sort of step into the world of education and, you know, now you're traveling around the world when COVID isn't happening and you decided to get into the world of education. Why did you decide that education was your path? Yeah, I think that's great. Um, mentors changed my life. I mean, from day one, you guys learned about that, how someone mentored me. The first salon I worked at was a famous salon. Mentorship and education was everything. Um, and from there, I mean, I'd just been so submerged in it since I said I was two years old when I started. Um, <laughs> got but it. Got it. And then I went to be a beauty school teacher part-time. And so I learned a lot about facilitation, um, writing curriculums, delivering, learning types... Um, you know, workshops, all that sort of stuff. That was what I did for like $2 an hour for a ton of years. <laughs> and, you know, I think all the best salons out there, they're very education focused. So it's always been 50% of my career. And it wasn't until about three years ago that I became 100% of my career. It was a slow, um, you know, transition, about 50%. So then it was like 70%. Then I was finally like going crazy and was like, I can't do everything. Um, and that's when I really leaned into education. Okay, so now you've got the world of education going, and inside of that world, you what did you start with? What was the product that you originally started with? Oh, originally, originally, yeah. like before Hair Love, um, I originally started with workshops. I did for four years traveling workshops. Okay, and the workshops you decided to do the workshops, and they were sort of targeted at the newer hairstylists. Is that right? Not necessarily. Um, just anyone who wanted. To be good at color, we had a whole color curriculum and like a little bit of business in there. Okay. And then you moved from that into your business in a box. Yeah. Yes. After a few failed attempts, we eventually got the workshop in a box, which is our like signature big program yep. um, up off the ground. Yep. All right. And then you stepped into sort of, which is how we met, you sort of stepped into the world of doing retreats, which I yes. found. Really interesting because you're doing effectively what I'm doing for, you know, uh, we'll call it quote unquote entrepreneurs, but you're doing it specific to, to hairstylists. Now, I'll mm -hmm. tell you something. Once I sort of started doing this work hard, play hard thing, 
um, I've gotten a lot of people that have reached out to me and wanted want to do some version of something like this. I want to do a golf trip, you know, with uh, with businessmen. I want to, you know, like what you're doing. Why do you think that retreats in the way that you do them, and maybe you can describe your retreats, are as effective as they are for people who attend them? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, live education is magical and experience education is life-changing. You know, growing up with my dad, he would take me on these hikes, these experiences, these rendezvous. He was a Boy Scout leader. So I would go to these off-grid locations. Um, I've always had a love for travel. So I mean, a little bit of it was selfish. I just wanted to be able to travel. And I was like, what if I could combine the magic of education, the magic of my passion for travel, and that thing that happens when you go somewhere outside of your world, I mean, you would learn better. You would... You, it just would consume everything differently. And for those of you who travel, I mean, Rob and I share that passion. You come back a different human just from vacation, somewhere like that. Imagine if it was with high-level people. Imagine if it was with high-level education. I mean, that's I, just for those of you who know, I'm going to be going to Rob's you know, masterminds. That's, I was drawn to that because I knew the magic of it. And I wanted to go to one that I didn't have to play on so I could just enjoy. Which Me too. Is, is neat. Yeah, you need to find some ones to go to. Um, I, do. I do. But you know, it's important. Like I, I know the magic of that. So that's why I was like, well, I need to be getting it if I'm giving it. You know, we call it escape to learn. That's our concept of learning. And we take people out of their life. I pick you up and I put you somewhere different, whether it's Bali or Morocco or Zion National Park or in a greenhouse or in a cool warehouse. I mean, it doesn't, I will take you somewhere else. And it's like adult Disneyland for your mind. I just think. It's so cool. If you if you love hosting events, it's a really cool thing to do. If you don't like hosting parties, you will hate doing it, but you would love attending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people, you know, for whatever it's worth, some people love to sit, you know, in the back of a hotel room and they want to be in a business suit and and have a pad and a pencil. I'd rather mm-hmm. I'd rather stab myself in the eyeball. I would like, as well. I, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, give, give me a glass of champagne and put me in Saint Tropez and let me hang out. Yes, cool people. I'm happy. You know what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. So I want to move into sort of outside of the work you do. And I want to talk a bit about um, fulfillment because I think fulfillment is a bit of an art. Um, but first, I want to ask you, what do you think people often get wrong about you? I think the most common thing I get told, which is kind of weird, is people are like shocked that I'm the same person in real life that I am online. Like people are like, wow, you're really just down to earth. Like that I'm just a normal girl with a dream and passion who is willing to like read a book and hire a coach and learn something. And it's, that's it, you know? Yeah, that's that's actually one of the highest compliments that you can get um, in in this over filtered Instagram world of people showing only the highlights. Um, yeah. Beautiful to get that compliment. What is one rule that you have for yourself that you'll never break? Probably to serve authentically. Like I, I guess, and that's probably why people say that compliment. But like to just show up in my journey how I am, even when it's hard. Like I've had some health issues that I hid for six months, and it just like felt unaligned. And it was because I went against that promise of like I told my people, I'm going to coach you, I'm going to guide you, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to connect you. And when I'm not showing up on what's really going on, I can feel it with my audience. I feel disconnected. I love that. I was listening to a podcast yesterday by Ed Milet, and he had one of the NBA players, something Nash, that was on the uh, 
on the uh, show. And uh, he had this analogy. I, I don't have it fully baked yet, but it was something like in the morning, you look at your, take your hands and you look at them and you say, thank you. And you see all the calluses and you're like, thank you for all of the things that I've been able to overcome that mm. you got me through. And when you're working, take a look at those hands again and say, um, say to yourself, um, service. And now it's time to serve. And it's a little weird hack, but when like you're working, like, you know, right now doing podcasts and I have a bunch of podcasts I'm doing today. I look down and I'm like, this is about service. This is about service. Right. And then he, he takes a little further and he says in the morning when you wake up and you know, you look in the mirror, imagine the, the mirror fog and that fog is all your self doubt and your imposter syndrome and just take your hand and go like this over the mirror and clear away all the self-doubt. And it's like an anchoring technique that I love. And that triggered for me when you said that. Mm, Um, I love that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's Um, cool. What new behavior or habit do you have in your life that that you believe now has most improved your life? Like since I started doing this, like it's a game changer. It's it's different for me now. Ooh, I would say I'm going to give you one that I was doing and then I'll give you my new one. I think the thing that I've done for a long time that has led to a lot of my success is I didn't worry about the how. Like when I knew I felt called to do something, I just started and figured it out as I was going. Mm-hmm. Like the how is none of my business, right? Someone told me that. Yep. It's probably a famous person I read somewhere. I don't know. And then the thing that I've adopted in 2020 is surrendering. Um, I noticed that like, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall into this. I like almost adopted the struggle in my life as like, you know, I have this struggle like rags to riches story, but like that doesn't have to be my story my whole life. Right. And so I recognized that I was adopting that cycle into everything and making things harder. And this year has taught me to surrender, you know, and I've done a lot of work through different types of things and spirituality, but, um, yeah, I think surrender, like show me how easy it is, is my new thing I'm trying to reach mm. to be. So like, okay, I want to make a million dollars doing this. Show me how easy it is. Show really, me how... Really, really interesting. I love that. There's, It's so easy for us to link up that it has to be hard in order for it to work as opposed to the art of allowing and saying, this is the intention. This is what I'm putting out into the universe. And I trust that a, that a power that is way higher than me, that knows how to make that freaking tree grow without me doing a damn thing, or that, that planet spinning in, you know, out there in orbit without me doing a damn thing, and it's happening, and I'm going to sleep at night, and some intelligence is making my heart beat without me doing a damn thing, can figure out how to get me my million dollars. And I'm just going to try. Yeah, no shit. Of course it can. Of course, like, duh. I just, I mean, I, I did shrooms recently and I, the thing of c- control kept coming up and that's that surrender. When we try to control our outcomes, like we're not surrendering to like what could be, right? We're trying to hold on to things. And if your hands are closed, no more can come in. And so I think that that's, I love that. Like if all of these things are happening, who am I to think 
that I actually had any control. Like that, you know, this year has taught us that. Like surrender and see what happens. And things can be easy. And what happens is I, you know, and I'm saying this because I know other people do this, when you have proven to yourself that struggle equals success, right? Well, I got this first million dollars or this first business because I struggled. We think it's this proven strategy that we have to duplicate when when it just wasn't. And so that was the thing that as soon as I like realize like that pattern doesn't have to repeat to equal success. Let's try a new pattern. It's scary. It is. It's scary to let go. It's that fear of like, well, what if it all crumbles? What if if I don't struggle, this won't happen? But I love how you said that. If all of these things are happening, like you were just no, no, just let it happen. Yeah, it's, it's almost egotistical that we that we're gonna move that sun out there. We're yeah. Not, we're yeah. Not, Damn thing. No. And I mean, if we have not had somewhat of an ego death this year, then like you're not awake. But like, what a blessing. I'm so glad. I've gone through like a million years of hard things alongside all of you. And some of you have gone through some shit I can't even imagine. And like, it, it's all good. It's all for our, our better. You know? it's all for, it's all, there's lessons there and it's all for... Um, things are happening for you, not to you. Yes, yes. Different question. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Ooh, you know, I haven't gone as many places as I want to go, but I feel like Italy is somewhere I could spend a month. You absolutely can. (laughs) And a bunch of months. You're like a few years. (laughs) Are there any positions or opinions in the last few years, or it could be even further back if you want, it doesn't have to be in the last few years, that you have changed your mind substantially, where you shifted your position, where you used to think, you know, I used to think that, but I was wrong. Now I think this. I think I used to think that I could get where I wanted to go alone. Like that I didn't need to like have a team, that I didn't need to let other people shine better than me. And I think that's huge. Like if you really want to scale your business, if you want to be more, especially like you want to hit over 100k, you want to impact more than like you know, a smaller amount of people, especially if you have a product or service online, you kind of have to, right? You don't get to get there alone. And I think like the more I run a team, the more I fall in love with like investing in them and letting them be better and like working with them and for them. And I think that's the other thing. I mean, Gary Vee, I heard him say this the other day. And this is so true. I think another thing I used to think is that people work for me. People don't work for me. I work for them. Like we're on the same team. We work alongside of each other. Um, and I think that has really changed the way I look at my team and the way I feel about them and the way they feel about the mission. And uh, un- un- unpack that, unpack that a little bit more. I think I understand what you're talking about about Gary Vee's quote. But what do you, what do you mean exactly? Like you work for them? So you mean like you ha- both work is- for the mission? Yeah, like we work alongside of each other. But like, I think that I had this idea, like when you're an entrepreneur and you grow your company, all these people work for you and they work for your mission and they work for your vision, right? But when it really comes to fruition and you really have a big, strong mission, um, you know, like Rob, you love to travel, but like your mission is to like change people's lives and have these entrepreneurs who are changing other people's lives have a fucking break, right? And learn how to do these things. So like, that's really what you're working for. And I started like turning my focus away from myself and almost towards my team. Like, what can I do to pour into them? What can I do to educate them? What can I do to help them make more money? Um, 
And that is that's just changed, I think, a lot of things in our in our business and the way I feel about people and like the loyalty we've seen through this year. You know, and even like I've had almost everyone on my team get different job offers from other people and they've been able to stay and I've been able to provide for them. So I just think like when you become a leader and when you get to hire your first assistant or your first team member or your first VA, like just think about like you work for the mission together and especially when they're your employee, like your job is to show up for them too. It's not just the other way around. Yeah, no, I love that. that I makes... think that builds fulfillment, which is kind of what we were talking about. And it's fulfilled a lot of things in the workplace really well. Yeah. And it's, it's also not having this weird separation between I'm the boss and just do what I tell you to do. Because nobody... There's, you don't get production from that. You get, you get resentment and somebody's you know, secretly looking for another job when you're not looking. So I love that. Um, okay. We're going to play an Elizabeth Fay speed rounds. Tell oh, me the shit. first thing that comes to your mind. What would your friends say is your superpower? <laughs> I don't know. Superpower. Um, Holy shit. I don't know. I make things fun. I make things fun. There you go. That's a superpower. Okay. What keeps you up at night? Oh, all my freaking ideas. I they're they're always there. They don't stop. They don't uh, stop. Do you collect anything or have you collected anything? No, I'm like a throw it away kind of person. Me too. That's why we get along. Yeah. What do people never ask you? but you wish they did. <laughs> um, to hang out for free on their houseboat. To hang out? <laughs> to like at Lake Powell. I want to be invited to Lake Powell on someone's bougie ass houseboat just to like come as a, just for fun with my whole family. That's what I want to... No one asks me that and it's rude every time. That is <laughs> really... I mean, I, I'd love to unpack that more, but I'm going to leave that there. That You're was, good. You're good. Uh, what's the one thing that you personally want to get better at? And it could be anything. It could be a cooking class, be, you know, uh, garden. Working well, out, working out. Yeah. Okay. Yes, All right. Yes. What book have you reread the most amount of time? Oh, um, you're a badass at making money. Yeah. Sincero, right? Mm-hmm. And Sincero, Sincero, one of those. Uh, it's Italian. What is your guilty pleasure? Ooh, like The Bachelor, like those horrible, like married at first sight, like anything about marriage, cheesy reality TV. Yeah. Have you done 90 Day Fiance? No, that's like the only one I haven't done. Don't start. I did. I've watched (laughs) everything. Six years of episodes. My wife did it for six months. What is one thing that you're afraid of right now? Ooh, burnout. Mm, that's good. Got to listen to that voice inside you. Two more questions. First one is, if you had to do a TED Talk on nothing that you're known for, nothing that you speak about, and mm. on anything that you have a passion for, what would it be on? Like the inside of what really happens in some of our beauty industry things. Like kind of spilling some of the dirty deets about like the way salons are run, some of these product companies, like just shit I can't talk about, you know, like some of it, like I think it's just backwards and weird and I think could be done better. And like, anyway. I'm going to give you a pass because it's interesting. It's still in the world that you're sort of in, but I'm going to give you a pass on that. That was, that is interesting and it's salacious. I, I think I'd be the first one to listen to it. Yeah. Last question I have for you is we'll switch things up. What one question would you like to ask me? Ooh, 
That is good. Well, I'm lucky. I'm your client. So I get to pick your brain all the time. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what, what is one question I'd ask you if I didn't get you all the time? Um, I would ask you, why do you think it's so important? Like something I think is really amazing about you, Rob, is like you literally like quit your legit career, right? As a chiropractor, like full yeah. on, like making a lot of money. Like it's a whole business. You did the whole thing. Like if you could say like almost like a message, like if I wouldn't have done that, like I would have felt like this on my deathbed, like how you speak about regret. Like yep. what would be your message to everyone when it comes to like living in alignment? Like why is that so important? Because there's sometimes I do shit I don't want to do and I think of you and I'm like, well, Rob quit like really good things to do something that fulfilled him more because he would probably regret it if he didn't. So like what would be that message you would give to like maybe like a teenager or someone just starting out? Well, they'd be different messages for different people at different times. So if you're somebody just starting out and you haven't stepped into the world of getting married, having a kid, starting a business and getting your degree, um, that's one message. And that would be make sure that you really freaking have a really good idea that this is something that you're passionate about and also know that that passion may wane over time. And if it's the reverse and it's somebody who's been doing it for 20 years, like I was 25 years, and they just have this thing inside them where they they feel like it's time and they want to do something else, but there's a whole bunch of limited beliefs around, yeah, but I, I spent all this time getting my degree and yeah, but I, I only work 20 hours a week and yeah, but it's not that hard and yeah, but I make a lot of money doing it and yeah, um, like why am I you know, starting from zero to do it all over again, you will hit a point in your life where the um, the universe is no longer going to serve you in the way that it was serving you before, because you're not honoring that still small voice inside you that's saying this is no longer right. It's almost like being in a relationship with someone that you know is over. And you just force it and you stay together for the kids or you stay together because you don't want to get divorced. And you don't want the stigma or whatever it is. And you're dying a slow death because you haven't pulled the trigger. You have to learn to listen to that voice. And when you listen to that voice, you have to step into belief and faith and trust that it's going to work out because you know that internal guidance system that you have um, is always trying to point you in the right direction if you just would listen to it. Surrender. <laughs> so good. Well, Elizabeth, this has been uh, exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a good time. It is Fun is your superpower. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for people that are listening? No, I just think this was so fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I would love it if anyone enjoyed what they heard. Um, reach out to me. You can DM me, talk with me. Even if you don't do hair, you know. We, we're all in the business of living our best lives and building fulfilling businesses. And so we have something in common there. Awesome. So there you have it. So um, we will link everything up in the show notes. But if you're driving and you can't look at the show notes, it's your Instagram handle is Hey Elizabeth Faye. Is that right? Yes, sir. Hey Elizabeth Faye. That even rhymes. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game 
or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.